Hello friends, I'm Rosie Acosta, your host and guide on this journey to self-discovery and radical love. I've walked a path filled with challenges. Growing up in East LA during the 92 LA riots, it left me searching for meaning, for mentors, for a way to truly understand the purpose of life. But you know what I found? The power of conversation. So I decided to create a space where we can share these conversations with you, our community. And that's how the Radically Loved podcast was born. Join me as we dive into topics like mindfulness, spirituality, self-love, and the keys to overall healthy living. I'm joined by my dear friend, fellow author, producer, and teacher, Tessa Tovar. Hi, I'm Tessa, and I'm grateful to be part of this community because it teaches me so much about what it means to be human. Ever since I was a little one, I was always asking the deeper questions in life. Why are we here? What happens when we are gone? What is the purpose of life? I love this show because I get to ask the questions that cut right to the meaning of life. I've learned that no matter how much we want the path to be clear, it never is. And that is actually part of the beauty that creates a radically loved life. Please do us a favor, share the episodes you love with your friends and leave us a review. Together, we'll learn how to create a life that's truly, deeply, radically loved. Let's begin. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Radically Loved podcast. We have a guest that really needs no introduction, and Tess and I couldn't be more thrilled to have uh, our three-peat on the show. Jen Sincero, welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you. I didn't realize it was three. You're right. How exciting. Third one's a charm. Third one's, that's what they say. I've yet to to have that happen. You know, what's interesting is when I think about like three Pete in my mind, I'm like, oh, these are the, how many times I have to try something before it actually works. Right. So I start to think about this idea of like being patient, which I don't like because patience is definitely not <laughs> Tessa's life. <laughs> patience is my nemesis. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is so one of the things actually that I I would love to sort of just hear your thoughts on. We live in such a culture where everything is so fast. Everything is quick, 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 get rich quick, you know, get get into the relationship quick head into enlightenment quick. Everything is so supercharged for quickness. And what I'm finding in 2024, it's my my goal is, is to be more comfortable with being patient and being more comfortable with sort of going back to analog. Because I think for me, that feels good. Um, I'm curious for you, like, having the career that you've had and, and sort of the journey that you've had, seeing how things have evolved over the last decade, let's say, because we are here to talk about another very uh, exciting birthday of sorts. Um, yeah, like what, how, how do you see patients now compared to how you saw it 10 years ago? In the world or personally? I think both, if you wouldn't mind. Well, you know, I think, you know, the funny thing is like, it's, it's going to take a long time, these things, whether you like it or not. So I feel like 
it is such a worthwhile practice. I too suck at it. I'm from New York. And I, I just like, I really, I really do feel like it is one of my top three journeys on this earth to really master is patience. And I'm probably getting like a C, maybe C plus. I'm getting better. As I get older, I'm getting better for sure. Cause I can't move as fast as I used to. But uh, I think that it's, it's a problem. And I think that people, you know, technology is helping things speed up and um, we are really immediate gratification. We have no patience even to read something longer than a text. You know what I mean? So I think people are getting really dumb and um, I think it's a thing. I don't, I know, I don't know how it's going to manifest itself, I, I, but it is a little alarming. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to me to see how we want everything so instantly. And, you know, for, for me, I think thinking about it in the perspective of even career wise, right. We have to build, I mean, I, I love your story. And by the way, uh, for those of you watching the video, you are a badass. This is the ultimate collector's edition with an exclusive new chapter. Look at how cool this cover is. So we're celebrating the the 10 year, the 10 year, 10 year anniversary mm-hmm. of You Are a Badass. And I know that the sort of growth of, of this book, this was your third book because you had written two books prior to this. And a lot of the times people don't realize that this wasn't your first book, right. that you had already had such a, a a deep experience in in doing what you were doing. You were a musician, you were doing copywriting, you're like trying to, you know, do different things. And, and like, you wanted to create a self help book that spoke to us, right? Like not that wasn't a sort of stoic, rigid, you know, I don't know, it wasn't not that it wasn't relatable. But I think for me, you are about us was so relatable and so funny and so like, attainable that I think that's, for me, that's why it made such a, such a big impact. But the reason why I'm bringing that up and talking about patience is because it took you years to get this book out in the world, like for it to become what it became, it took years. It didn't just happen. Like you released the book and then it's an instant bestseller. Yeah. So that took a long time. Like, do you think if, if, if somebody were to go through that process now, do you think that we have the bandwidth to put the work in and allow for that organic process to evolve? I think we don't have a choice because things are going to take as long as they take. I, it is just a matter of how bratty you're going to be in the process. If you're going to have a temper tantrum or not. And dem- it's like, oh, is that on Willy Wonka? I want it, daddy, I want and I want now. it now. You know, it's like... Who are you going to be? So yeah, you can want it immediately all you want, but you know, if it's going to take a while, it's going to take a while. So that's why it's like, it's like anything else. It's like working against what is happening and focusing on what's not happening. You got a finite amount of time on planet earth. So what better use of your time is it strengthening 
your ability to be present and enjoying what is and, you know, just going with the flow instead of screaming and yelling, you know, and freaking out. So don't you feel like this is real? That's more of what's happening. Like, I'm so I'm just feeling like there's so many people that that I deal with right now that that are a different generation that don't understand those foundational things that we need in order to build resilience, right? Like we need to have things not work. We need to do the jobs that are, you know, not part of my job description, you know, Uh, like those uh, types of things. I just, I feel like we're kind of losing our edge a little bit. Like back in the day, like when I was working and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like coming up, growing up in, in the sort of environment, you know, like my story, I grew up in East LA, you know, gang violence, all that stuff. Like when I entered the workforce and I was like, I was managing a hair salon. I was like, I showed up to work and I was doing everything. The cleaning lady didn't show up. I was cleaning the toilets. I was washing the color bowls. I was like, I never was the person to say, Oh, this isn't in my job description. So I feel like it it does relate to what you write about, right? It's like building that that edge, that that grit. You know what I mean? So, like, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, yes. No, I agree, and I was the same way. And I and so you think it's generational? That's interesting. I you feel like people are much more entitled to feel like you know they deserve to come in on the top floor. And, yeah, I feel yeah. like it. I mean, Tessa, what do you think? This has been our experience. I mean. For me, I've seen it a lot in the last, since, since the pandy, since 2020, you know? I mean, since I left the workforce, I feel like it's changed a lot. And when I say the workforce, I mean, obviously I'm still working, (laughs) working very hard, but I mean, leaving corporate America and having that experience, it's been, I don't know, gosh, almost a decade since I've been like a, um, the traditional employee, but so by osmosis, I get to hear a lot of my partner's stories about how this generation coming into the workforce just out of college will immediately ask for a raise, will immediately want that title, will immediately, um, expect kind of like, um, all of these accolades and things that I feel like I really had to work hard for and I didn't expect them right off the bat. So in that way, yeah, I think it's, it seems generational, but I wonder, is there, does every generation do this to the generation? Oh, to the underneath other? Them? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. But, but I will say like, I did the dishes when I babysat for people. I like vacuumed their house. I was such a goody two shoes. I was, I was in a punk band and we would always show up early. We're like, oh my God, we're so not punk, but we didn't want to like inconvenience people. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know. And the thing is, is I honestly can't speak to it as well as you guys can. Cause I have one employee. I'm not really dealing with other people a lot in in that way that I would notice that kind She's of thing. She's like, and that's why I'm successful is because I'm not dealing with I never <laughs> leave the <that> house. <laughs> okay, so that's the secret sauce. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> and we're going to be like, the secret to success. Just Listen have one Jen point. Jen's yeah. <laughs> advice. No, but it's true. Like this, this... For for us in, in what I'm seeing and what we're experiencing right now, I think is it, it just goes back to some of the things that you talk about in this book specifically and, and why. And look, you are a badass at making money and breaking ha- like bad, ha- like the habits, like all of those things for me, everything makes sense, you know, but it's like so many people have asked you this question. 
how do I get motivated? How do I, how do I do something that feels really challenging to do? Like, what do I do with writer's block, blah, blah, blah. And I've heard you answer this question, Jen, and you said, you just have to do it, right? Like you just have to do it. And, and then it just happens, right? You have to continue that momentum. And, and I think that, you know, it's so poignant right now, this, and, and again, it's like going back to this idea of, of patience and, and how long things take, you know, I, I think a better question I'd love for you to answer is like, how do we, how do we stay in, in the energy of, of hope and positivity when we are in the process of, of growing and sprouting from the ground, right? Because sometimes it feels so impossible, like this is never going to happen. You know, how do, we, how do we stay in that frequency? Like, did you happen to stay in that frequency as you were going through your journey? No, I mean, I certainly came and went from it all the time. I mean, that's part of being human as you go up and down and, you know, that's just, I don't think anybody, I don't care how evolved they are and how much time they spend meditating, like everybody, everybody. So, but the problem is when you get really caught up in the drama. So you're having a bad day. It's taking too long. Something fell through. You got a big bill, like it all is piling up. You get to have a panic attack. You get to have your little pity party, whatever you're going to do. You got to feel it. It's not about being Pollyanna all the time. But then how long are you going to stay there? And that's, and that's the thing is like, we really, really do have the ability to shift our focus and change our emotions. And when we become victims to our circumstances and let them run the show, that's when you really get into trouble and you can stay in that space for a long time. So I'm a big believer in feeling it all the way through, maybe the whole day, whatever, like whatever, wake, you know, really feel it, but then get your act together. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but like putting on a good song can change my entire world. I'm that shallow. You know, I can go from like the depths of despair and a good song will be come on. I'm like, oh, and like, I almost forget about it, right? Like, it's not that hard, people. And so that's why I'm always screaming and yelling about the spiritual gym. It's it, because your mindset is a muscle and you've got to work it out. So you have to have at the ready, like, what are the songs? What's your playlist? Going out in nature you know, molesting my dog, you know, um, <laughs> reading self-help books every day, listening to podcasts like this. What, who makes you laugh your ass off? Like, what is it that's going to raise your frequency? Cause it's, it's really not that hard. And we yeah. really love drama. I mean, I'm including myself. Like I definitely get roped in. So it's like, but I've lately, I'm telling you, I've been having the funniest thing happen lately where, you know, we've all got these sort of long standing ones, like the ones that just won't, you know, that have been there for decades or whatever that you get all boohooey about. As I'm getting boohooey, I, this other part of myself starts laughing at myself. It's really weird. It's, it's, I may need to like go into a facility soon. I don't know what's happening with me, but like, I literally am kind of having the same, at the same time, almost like I will really be like caught up in my sob story. And then I'll get like, I'll, I'll find it funny because I know it's such a show I'm putting on. Wow. But I mean, that, that takes years of recognition though, like practice, right? To be able to get okay. to that place where you can recognize that. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, going back to what you were saying about the music, I, I'm curious, okay, what, if you're wanting to get motivated, what, what is on Jen's playlist? <laughs> 
Oh my God. It's, I hate it when people ask this question because I'm such a Luddite. I'm serious. Like it's so sad. I would like, uh, I would like your playlist actually, because you probably have some stuff on it past like oh. 1998. Yeah, no, I, all my stuff, I'm like, I listen constantly playing in the house. You know, it's like Tori and I love music. We're constantly playing music and it, it's either like Porta's Head, Massive Attack, Thievery Corporation, yeah. like just kind of like some vibey music. And on the weekends, it might be like one of us, the social club or Gypsy Kings, you know, we throw a little you know, little Hispanic flair in there once in a uh-huh. while. If I'm cooking, I'm listening to like Bad Bunny or Peso Pluma. Like it just is so kind of random. And then it's yeah. like, I might listen to, you know, like some cool punk rock. You know, I might go old school and like put some bad religion on, you know, if I'm like feeling like, I don't know, some type of way. I'll listen to Nirvana when I write or Alice in Chains. Like I just have such a- So you're, you're like- not in the current century either, really. <laughs> I love the eclectic mix, though. I know it's great. I'm the same way. I mean, all those, all those, same. Like yeah. it's just, just all the old stuff. Yeah, I feel I like loud rock, like loud classic, classic rock. When I need to sort of pull myself out of. Oh yeah, yeah. But whatever. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even gonna pretend I'm cool. Let's just leave it at that. No, I hear. What music you listen to or don't listen to determines whether you're cool or not. I was thinking no. about that. Like, no, it is. Like, it's a thing. In high school, my God, for, you oh, had to yeah. listen to it or you weren't cool. Like, it was just like, but anyway, I digress. I had somebody throw an egg at me, like a literal <laughs> egg, drive-by egg. I got drive-by egged uh-huh. when I was in high school as a freshman because I was wearing... I think I was wearing like a dancing shirt or something. And it was like the punk kids didn't mess with like the metal kids. It just like was a different, you know, like each little sect was, was different, you know? And I'm like, as long as I wasn't getting like real shot, which also happened a lot. um, (laughs) I was like, I got egged and, and the guy that was driving by, it was a bunch of kids. They're like, dancing sucks. And they threw the egg at me. And I just remember feeling like I never wore that shirt again. And I just felt so broken by it. I mean, I still continue to listen to the music, but that was like my first insight into, yes, you are judged as a, as you're growing. I mean, even now, I mean, I guess we judge even now because there's certain, certain music that, everything. right. Yeah. It's our favorite. How do, we, how do we be less judgmental? Oh my uh, gosh. Man, <laughs> I know. I know. I, and also, how do we really not give a crap what other people think of us? You know, it's, I know I put it in all caps on the back of my book. And that's the other thing I'm really, I am going to master that. I am really, I, and I'm, I feel like aging though. I feel like the, not to make this like the AARP episode, but it I do. Is. It's too late. Like, We've already talked about menopause. Like we're, we're like there. Don't okay, even. Good. Good. I was going to let it go then. Let it rip. Let it rip. I feel like one of the great perks of age that, you know, I was like, you know, age comes with wisdom, blah, blah, but it's like, man, it really does. And my father said the greatest thing, he, he was from Italy, he had this really thick Italian accent. I can't say anything he says without trying to imitate his accent, which I suck at, but he was like, I don't know if you get older and wiser or older and more tired. And it's totally true. It's like, I don't have the energy to give a shit what you think about me or it's just, I just don't have that much bandwidth. It's like, I'm busy, you know, doing the crossword puzzle and looking at birds. Like I, I got more 
pressing geriatric activities to tend to. <laughs> she said, I'm looking at birds. feel more like... Yeah, yeah, binoculars right here. In fact, I'm sitting at my bird window while I talk to you. Maybe I'll oh. see if there's a, a nice Cooper's hawk out there while we chat. <laughs> I'll yeah. let you know. <laughs> Well, on the subject of getting older, Jen and Rosie too, I'm curious, do you feel like that not caring also comes with a clarity of vision in terms of like what matters to you most is more clear and easily accessible versus I feel like in, in youth there's so much angst, but there's also so much like, well, I don't know. I don't know what the right path is and how to get there. And like, say I want to go write that book and I want to be a badass, like Jen said I could, but you know, what if that's not the right path for me? There's so much questioning of ourselves. So does that make sense? That does make sense. No, I think that's a really good point. I think in some ways, yes, because I personally feel like I've done so many of the things that I wanted to do and it has shaped me and I'm not nearly as neurotic about that stuff as I used to be because I was neurotic because I had no idea what I was doing or felt like I didn't for so long. But I will say that there is this interesting thing that happens. I'm 58 and I feel like, you know, I still have energy. I still want to do stuff. I'm not nearly as ambitious as I used to be. Um, And I'm sort of like, I'm not quite sure what turns me on right now because Mm -hmm. I used to want to be an internationally famous rock star. And the thought of that sounds exhausting and horrible. And so a lot of the stuff that I really identified with as a younger person does not ring true anymore. So, and I kind of feel like this happens to me almost every decade where we sort of shed some things. I was talking to somebody, I was like, I used to knit all the time. I hate knitting. Like when I'm done with something, I'm done. So it's like, so I'm sort of in the next, like I really am am trying to figure out who I am again. So I think it's an endless thing, which is really cool actually, because you get to try to do so many things and you're constantly questioning, but I don't think that's just, a game for the young folks. Yeah, I love that. I, I love everything about that because it it just it's true. You know, every couple of years, what is it like? Every seven years, you shed oh. your even to to the cells. You shed the person yeah. that you are. You're like a brand new cells, brand new person. And I think it's really important for us to to remember that to and to have patience with that. I mean, it, like the things that were important to me ten years ago. I'm like. I talk about this a lot. I, I'm always so grateful that I never got what I always wanted because oh. it just feels like, wow, I really wanted this 10 years ago. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to do this. I just wanted to do that thing. And then I'm like, wow, I'm so grateful that that didn't happen, that that it didn't work fun. out, right? I'm going to need some details. Well, you know, it's just like when you're in, you know, okay, 10 years ago, I was 30, you know, and I was like teaching and I was, you know, wanting to, you know, build a a platform and I wanted to like write a book and I I wanted to make a difference. And I wanted, you know, to, to bring mindfulness to, to people like myself. It changed my life so much. You know, I wanted to go into like, you know, communities that were, were underprivileged and, and I wanted to, to, you know, teach them how to meditate and teach them yoga and, you know, and, and yes, all of that is really great, but I would be lying if I didn't say that, of course, my goal was to like, you know, at the time it was being on the cover of yoga journal, right? Like yoga journal was like, that was the pinnacle. And I remember, and I'll say this here, and I hope that it gets to the person who said this to me, but I remember 
<laughs> getting connected with with some of the people at Yoga Journal. And, and I remember saying like, yeah, my dream is to be on the cover of Yoga Journal. And this person said, you'll never be on the cover because you you just, you don't look like the other teachers, you know? And they were being more sort of like, you don't fit the bill. You're, you know, not skinny and white. I mean, essentially is what this person was saying. And and they weren't being, oh, they whoa. weren't, yeah, they weren't being mean about it. They were just saying like, it's just, it's not part of the packaging at the moment. Right. And I remember that really, oh, that left an impression on me. And it, it was sort of like shattering this dream that I thought, because I thought if I'm on the cover of a magazine, that means I'm successful. That means I made it. Well, many years later, many years later, I, when I got to be on the cover of the magazine, it was, it was such a surreal experience because I'm like, wow. And the internal, those people ended up getting fired and they had a big change up and, you know, <laughs> there was more people that, that anonymous <laughs> letter from some woman. And, and, but when it happened, it was such, it was so funny because I'm like, Oh, Oh, that was it. Like, that's it. Like, nothing changed. I didn't get an extra email. I didn't get any extra offer. Nothing happened, nothing. And, and it was such a great humbling experience because I'm like, Oh, this was my quote unquote pinnacle moment. And, and I've talked about it on the podcast. And in fact, I did a whole episode about how like, it was such a, such a great experience. And I'm so glad that the next month there was somebody else on the cover because it was like, this is the transient experience of of these, these goalposts that we put up for ourselves. And so now when I think about those things, Jen, I'm curious, like to hear your thoughts on these sort of ideals, you know, being on the New York times or, or getting to, to a certain financial goal, like, what does it do for you? To me, what, what comes up and the more I practice and the more that I've been in this, in this world, the more I know, the less I know. And I feel like, wow, I want less. Well, listen, it's exciting. And I mean, I was so excited when I hit the New York Times list and I'm, I'm so excited by everything that happens. But I will say that it's very fleeting, right? And that's why it's all about the journey, dude. <laughs> it's about the journey because once you get there, the journey's over. And then you're there and it's, and I'm not saying it's not great because I am so grateful and so excited a lot about a lot of things in my life. But I will say that then, you know, then, you know, I was on the New York Times list again, you know, for, I was on it for a year or whatever. And so every week the list would come out and it got to be the new norm. So it wasn't as exciting every time. I'm still just blown away, but it's like, it does become the new norm. Same with the money, same with whatever the hell. And so but that's part of being human is that we are here to constantly evolve and to constantly create and constantly grow. So thank God I'm not still having, you know, popping champagne every day over the New York Times list, right? Like what a waste of time. Like I've worn that dress, you know what I mean? So that's kind of why I think in my mind is because we really are here to, to keep creating and expanding in new and different ways. And and the arrival is almost insignificant because it really was about who you had to become in the journey mm. together. So you know what? Every time this kind of conversation comes up, I always kind of go, 
it reminds me of this yogic precept of non-attachment, right? Like we practice for the sake of practice, because this is what we're talking about, being content with who you are here and now. And coupling that with striving towards a very specific outcome, a very specific goal, like being on the cover of a major magazine in your industry or hitting a New York Times bestseller list. How do you do both without, I just am always like, but how do you do both without like um, beating yourself up along the way or feeling like you're not good enough or, you know, even just being non-attached to the outcome? How do you stay motivated to keep doing that thing if you're not attached to that thing? (laughs) That's a great question. And I think the way you do it is, you get desire, like you desire it, like we desire things, right? But that's why it's all about be here now. So it's like, I, this is what I desire. I desire to make this amount of money. I desire to, you know, whatever. And you set your sights on it and you imagine yourself with it. And you're so grateful for it before it arrives and all the things. And at the same time, you're in the moment, you're grateful for where you are. You're appreciative of every single thing that's happening to you. So you can do both. You can, it's it's not about it basically it's like where is your focus if you're constantly focusing on the fact that it hasn't happened yet then that's where your energy's going and that's what you're getting but if you're focused on its existence and your excitement about it and in the moment you're like all right you know i'm still waiting tables but this is my stepping stone and i'm so grateful for the 10 bucks that person just left me because it's heading me towards this direction so you you really can do both but it really is about where you're going to place your focus in the process mm. Yeah. Even having as much success as you've had, do you ever still get those moments of like, damn, like, can I still do this? Like, I never know if there's enough material for a whole book. I'm like, is it a book or is it a pamphlet? Like how, how much can I actually say and get into this one? But I'm, I'm super excited about the topic and I'm going to have to do some research on it because I really want to take it beyond just get really, I think it's really interesting. So Oh, this is a this it is very badass book. I will tell you that because I am also wanting to just write comedy or write like a sci-fi novel. I don't know where that even comes from. I don't even, I don't even read science fiction. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Or nothing. Or I'll just sit here and look at birds all day. I have no idea. <laughs> but I am. That's the best. Thing. <laughs> that is very exciting. It made my heart skip a beat, and this is very. It's inspiring. I think it's so, it's so great. Like I, I went through this journey and you know, you've been around for, for my little book journey and it's right after I just felt like, oh, like how does this, how do I ever do this again? Like, how do I ever go through this process again? Like, I mean, I am now, I am writing right now, currently. Excellent. Yes. But, but it took, I mean, you know, I, I just felt like I said everything I needed to say in that book, right? Totally. You know, so, but it's, but you find more. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's like anything else. If you keep going, you keep uncovering more stuff. So yeah, you'll find more. It's, it's intense. It's, I'm not going to pretend that writing is not the hardest thing I've ever done. Because it but it's really hard, is. but isn't it like going back to Tessa's question, which was a great question, right? So we go through these experiences. I'm curious for you, actually, maybe I'll ask the question in this way um, for people that are listening that are aspiring writers. You said something 
so, so important. You said, I don't know if this is a book or a pamphlet, right? Like, how do I know that my idea is book worthy or worthy of, of becoming a book? Number one. And number two is what happens if I feel like I really want this to be a book and I don't have enough to say? Well, first of all, I think anything you're passionate about deserves to be a book. Like nobody gets to tell you if it deserves to be a book or not. If you're interested in something and you are excited about writing it, then it's a book. That's, I really, I feel so strongly about that also because, you know, there are so many stories, including my story that we could not get You Are a Badass published. Like nobody wanted to publish it forever. And everybody told me we didn't need another self-help book, but I was like, yeah, but we need a funny one. But, but, and I felt so strongly. Do you ever reach out and be like, boom, bitch, or like, (laughs) honey, I don't have to. I'm so happy. That's happening without me doing it. That's so really, I'm not going to pretend it isn't joyful. (laughs) Um, uh, So I think if you're being called to write it, that that's really all you need to know. And, you know, just do your best at it and put yourself into it. So that, that for sure. Um, What was the other question? Oh, if it's, if it's, if you don't feel like you have enough to say, um, then maybe it isn't a book. Like I feel I putting filler in to make something longer is such a snore fest and nobody wants to read it as much as you don't want to write it. So, but I don't think that you can make that call until you get in there and roll up your sleeves. And so, you know, this is why, especially with nonfiction, you write a book proposal and I write, I still write book proposals for all my books, even though I don't have to, to sell them anymore, but just for my own sanity and just to be like, okay, how many chapters is this bitch going to be like, what am I going to put in them? Like, I don't know. So putting a book proposal together and getting all those details down is such a gift. Cause then when you sit down to write it, you're just like, I mean, I don't know what your writing process is like, but talk it's about that. drama. Yeah, no, it's that. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, seriously, none of my friends answers their phones when I'm writing my books. They're like, oh God, here we go. You know, every what? time, every time. <laughs> and every time I'm like, okay, you can make fun of me later. I promise you. But right now I'm very tender and I, I, I know, and I know you're going to make fun of me and it's fine. But do I really like, what would I ask my friend once? Well, first of all, I write all my books in three and a half weeks. That's this long story, but I really, I write the first draft in three and a half weeks and I'm not bragging. I don't recommend it. It's just, they give me eight months. I don't do anything for, I, it, my friend calls it pressure prompted. And I'm like, that's a little mild for what I'm like panic motivated. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, and then I get to that point and every time I'm like, I think I've been bragging that this is how I do it. And this, because it's not at all possible. So I call my friends. I'm like, did I do it this way last time? Because it's not possible. And they're like, yes. Do you see this face? I am not surprised by this phone call. I got this phone call three years ago and you wrote the last one. So I'm like, okay, but it's terrifying. Oh, it's, it's sounds like it. Yeah, I see both of us are like, what? How do you do this? Stream of consciousness? Like what happens? Stream of consciousness. I wish. No, it's like, it's, it's pulling the words out of your soul. Like just wrestling by the ground. It's, I don't know. I honestly, it really is kind of, I have not had a child, but I imagine it's like giving birth. Like it's so full on 
And then you kind of forget, I guess. I don't know. Mm. Did people forget about their birth experiences? I mean, <laughs> I imagine they must forget summer. They'd only have one kid. <laughs> but I don't know. Like it just, it's, um, it's just really intense. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Oh, no, so well, I'm curious if there's any sort of like self-care process that does in retro, maybe this is a retrospective question that does go along with that leading up to the three and a half weeks of writing or during the three and a half weeks of writing? During the three and a half weeks, it is full on, I'm feral, basically. I'm in this bathrobe that is basically being abused. <laughs> and and anything like, I have hired a chef in the past where I've just been like, just and she can't stay, like she can't, because I have no time. So I'm just like, just bring the food, drop it off and run for your life. But I also have a freezer full of ice cream, like whatever I need, I get to have because I'm gonna, I have to, you know, push this thing out. Uh, so no self-care, if anything, it's, it's really bad. Like I don't sleep. I, you know, don't sit in an ergonomic chair. I'm, you know, crying half the time, but then afterwards, lots of it, like that afterwards <laughs> the party starts, but no, it's, it's, it's not good. It's so, I love that you're sharing that. It's so honest. And I, I think it's, it's the part that people don't see, you know, people see the book tour, they see the, the accolades that come along with the writing of the book and they don't actually see this, this process where you're, yeah, whatever your process is. I I love writing in the morning. I just give myself like 500 words a day goal. You know, I just do it every morning. Yeah, I want to be you like every day where it's like, you know, it's nobody you sit no, down. No, but it's, but it's, it's dress, <laughs> you're wearing clothes. Well, you're a normal person. You have a life outside of this torture chamber that you've created yourself. Like totally my doing, but I'm feral. I'm telling you, I am feral. So with this new book idea, I just have to kind of get ready for that. Like, well, right, I'm excited. We're, we're like so excited. And look, we also want to be respectful of your time. Obviously we can chat with you forever, oh but God, that went fast. I mean, we didn't even, Did you get I mean, <laughs> we didn't even, we didn't even ask you any other prepared questions. That's fine. It's perfect. Um, but look, <laughs> I, we, we love you so much. This is, I love you. This has been so fun. It's like the funnest podcast ever. <laughs> My face hurts from laughing. I know my face, I'm like sweating and it's not a hot flash. It's just sweat. (laughs) Thank you. We, uh, I know that you're, are you done with the book tour? Are you still doing You are the 10 year anniversary tour? Yeah. Yeah. We do have, well, we did come out with a journal, which I'm really excited about. You are a badass journal. Have you seen that yet? So cute. So badass journal. Anyway. I love good, positive energy swag. Anything that's like, I keep this. I keep, Uh I keep (laughs) this because I love, and I love the quote, of course, in the back. Um, I keep this in our living room. It's like part of our decor, (laughs) like, because, because we get to see it every day, you know, and it's, it's just like it, to me, it's like, I love having those visual cues. So any, any sort yeah. of swag that's around that you kind of see or use for, you know, a tote bag or whatever, you know, journal. I think yeah. it's really good. They're really great. You remind visual yourself. Yeah. To remind yourself to not be a dope with your thoughts. You know, you got to really stay on that because that's all it is, is remembering to not have a meltdown. Hmm. 
<laughs> Call me when I'm writing my book and remind me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. So that being said, um, before we, we let you go, is there, um, is there a place where people can go to, to connect with you or to get more information? They can go to either you are a badass.com or jensincero.com. They both go to the same place. Okay, wait. I do have one one final question, and we've asked you this before. Um, we'll add all of those links in our show notes, so please check those out. Uh, if you've not uh, read "You Are a Badass" or any of Jen's books, please check them out. Like, if you're an Audible or an audiobook person, like she reads it to you. It's amazing, and I, I highly recommend. So. My final question, I've asked this before, we ask all of our guests is, we created Radically Loved as a place for people to feel inspired, supported, and part of a community. The idea is that we are radically loved by source, God, whatever higher power of your understanding, that the universe works for us and not against us. So the final question to you is, how do you feel radically loved? Oh boy, in so many ways. So many ways. I mean, I am fortunate enough to have such incredible people in my life. That definitely does it. Being out in nature does it. Basically everything on my damn spiritual gym list. Listening to music, taking care of myself, eating good food, eating junk food. Just being, you know, honestly being aware of all the incredibly charmed aspects of my life as often as possible. That's probably it. Being really making a point to be aware of it and grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, Jen. Please come back to see us again. We're so grateful for you, for your guidance, for your work. (laughs) Well, thank you both. This was a joy. This was so much fun. Thank you. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Love podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps. Also, don't forget to check out the Mindful Love Hub on Substack. This episode was produced by Tessa Tovar, music by DJ Taz Rashid.